Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Phil Craig. And I'm Andrew Loney. And together we aim to bring you the most scandalous stories and some of the most scandalous people in history. So thanks for joining us here on the Scandalmongers podcast. Well, we said we would do something on Biden and Trump, and I think we've, I think I'm looking forward to this. I think this will be some very interesting uh, insights from Alistair Dorber. Yep, Alistair Dorber, Times as Washington correspondent, no less, is going to come and talk to us about Trump and Biden. Um, but first, we, we, I mean, I'm on ten hooks. What's going on with you, Andrew? Are there, are there eavesdropping on you still? Are you being followed? I haven't been arrested. Haven't been arrested yet. No dead cats on the doorstep. But um, men uh, with umbrellas don't let them follow you. Yes, or I don't eat anything with mushrooms. No, that's also good. It's also good advice. No, I'd love to know what's what's up. Any any more developments on the story? That if if you didn't listen last week, <laughs> says that Andrew's being monitored. You could say monitored. You could say spied upon um, for his uh, activities digging into various royal scandals. And uh, this itself has become a scandal. Um, well, we're there's an article like... appearing in, in, in one of the papers, British papers this week, uh, where I give further evidence of the um, spying that's going on. I mean, they claim there was no basis to the claims. And so I'm laying out some of the evidence. Uh, I'm appearing on, on a Radio 4 programme next weekend uh, to talk about it. So I think the story story is building. Uh, and I'm just hoping other people will, will come forward uh, and perhaps... Other people have had been placed in the same position. Um, well, it was really um, interesting talking to Michael Crick about all this last week because um, I know you don't know what TikTok is, Andrew, but it's very <laughs> popular. And I make the odd TikTok um, <laughs> of, of clips from the show. And most of them get a couple of hundred people looking at them or maybe the occasional comment. But some of the ones with Michael really, really kind of grabbed a lot of people's attention. Uh, talking about your story, but also talking about the bigger issue of all the things that get between journalists and historians and the truth. And some of those maybe are other journalists and historians and kind of group think. So um, if you want to dip into TikTok, there's quite a debate. Some people are just um, using it as an excuse to get angry on the internet. There's a new thing. Uh, but actually, it's quite interesting too, to see what people are interested in. 
Yeah, interesting experiences. And um, uh, how are we doing? I hear we're actually oh, uh, my favorite popular bit. in Singapore. Well, yes, these charts, these, these Apple charts, not YouTube charts. But in the last week, okay, wait for it. We've been in the charts, in the top 100, in fact, in Singapore, New Zealand, Netherlands again. Um, my Dutch last week must have really impressed people out there. Um, Ireland, Australia, and briefly Spain. There you go. Gosh, gosh, um, we're storming the world. We are. A couple of new reviews. I love reviews. I know you do too. Uh, one, one more from Canada, from Canago, who describes herself as a pod addict. And she wants to share with the world a newly discovered podcast, The Scandalmongers, which is her latest go-to with great storytelling and juicy bits sprinkled in. There you are. They like juicy bits. Um, interesting to learn about the events going on in other parts of the world. I hope your foreign fan base just keeps growing. Thank you, Canagol. So, yeah. And are we getting any sense of what people want to hear? More royal stories? More cover-ups? Well, do you know what? Looking at the the data on YouTube, which is the, the best data we have, I think our top four programs are all about the royal family, um, actually, in one way or another. And then another one that did really well was that great show with Jenny Hocking, about yeah. uh, similar to you, trying to get royal documents to expose uh, what she considers misbehaviour by the royals in the 70s in Australia. Um, I mean, that's a, a really serious and important show. That's That's still very popular. People, right? Oh, well, I mean, it's interesting. If people want more royal, we can certainly do more royal. There are a lot of very good correspondents out there. Um, or if I mean, we were thinking of doing something on Epstein too, and we've got, I think, Jackie Kennedy coming up perhaps next week. Yeah, I also mispronounce his name. He's one of the most um, famous investigative writers in America. Is it Randy Taraborelli? That's it. Yes, I can yeah. never do it. I'm glad you have to do it. You know, he'll be our first American interviewee. Oh well, this is part of this is part of the world domination. Um, uh, talking of America, let's maybe move the conversation back to the subject of this um, of this episode. I'm just looking at a news story. I don't know if you've seen it today. Mike Pence, Trump's uh, vice president, I'm sure you know, um, he's turned up at the Iowa State Fair, which apparently is a rite of passage. People running in the primaries in the Republican primary, um, and he's been hit with a whole load of Team Trump. Um, people who are calling him a traitor, who are asking, you know, why he didn't do the right thing, why he certified the election when Trump asked him not to. Um, and you just get a sense that, um, you know, whatever really happened, and Pence certainly believes, and has said, he thought the election was fair. A very large number of people in America don't. And it's almost yes. as if, you know, we've got used to people having their own kind of sources of news and social media camps and everything so polarized these days but it's also people have their own views of the law well and i mean i suppose it's 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 people don't trust the the, the news they're receiving um and i think this is why someone like alistair is so important because i think the times is is very uh balanced and authoritative and and we need more people like that uh or being listened to rather than say this this mass hysteria it is uh, perplexing you know on the one hand trump supporters who just seem completely uh completely convinced that there is a massive conspiracy to do him down. And then the story we talked about last week about Biden's son, Hunter, and how, you know, the last election, it seems pretty obvious, Michael was saying the same, that um, a lot of papers and other news organizations and social media companies basically suppressed the story because they thought it would help Trump. So that's not great either. So help. 
Shall we go to Alistair, try and get some help? I think we need all the help we can get. All right. See you in a minute. See you in a minute. Well, we're delighted to have you and answering, I think, the big question. The two candidates who probably be the, the candidates in next year's elections baffle us. How have we got to the position? <laughs> they baffle me too. And I see probably a lot more than you do. Um how have we got to this position? That's an incredibly good question, and, and and the one that I think lots of people here are are, are trying to answer. Um, you've got two guys who, uh, two and a half years ago at the last election, were arguably too old to stand. Um, and as we go forward to the election next year, they are likely, very strongly likely, to be the, ne- the the two candidates in the next election too. I think it's a condition of American politics. I think it's a condition of. Uh, the Republican Party um, and and Donald Trump's absolute and total grip uh, on 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 the Monday GOP. Oh, well, should should we start? Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Hello, uh, Alistair. Nice to meet you. You are the second Times correspondent to appear in this podcast. I hope you're feeling very proud. I'm very very proud. I'm, I'm slightly disgruntled to be second behind Val, but other than that, absolutely <laughs> fine. Well, you may still over overtake him. Uh, I'm sure well, you will. We'll see. I, well, I was just going to say, I don't know who to start with first. I mean, it is a, it is one of those, make it make sense to us, please, because you've got, you know, Biden, who apparently doesn't know where he is half the time, can't walk up a flight of stairs without falling over. Trump's got more lawsuits against him than some kind of mafiosa boss. Some people think he is a mafiosa boss. Um, uh, should we start with Trump? I, I think I read recently you'd been to one of his rallies, which seemed to be, if anything, even more enthusiastic about him than before the lawsuits. Well, what you've, I mean, two things. I mean, one thing, just on the on the poll numbers, you're right. Every time there's a lawsuit, every time there's something that come along that comes along that you think would 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 knock over a political candidate, it strengthens him. Um, he has got this narrative that he's been able to sell extremely well to the Republican Party grassroots. That every time there's a lawsuit, every time there's a, 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 a something that tries to derail his campaign. Uh, he says, "Look, this is the deep state. This is them trying to say to uh, say to you, the Republican voter in rural America, you cannot have what you want in the White House. I'm what you want in the White House. This is a conspiracy. It's a witch hunt. It's the establishment on the east and west coast trying to uh, say to you, you don't matter. You'll do as you're told. Here am I standing up for you, and here's the deep state trying to stop you. And that is a message that has worked." a dream for him every time there's an indictment every time there's a lawsuit you see his poll numbers just 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 tick does, does he actually have a point leaving aside what any of us might think of the man does he actually have a bit of a point um that's to be tested it's not for me to say uh, that will be I mean, a grand jury uh, in uh, in in florida and another grand jury in washington dc have both decided that there's a case to answer in the two case, in, in the case that's been brought in those two separate cities. Um, in Manhattan, the district attorney has brought uh, a lawsuit against him in a different case. That will be tried by a jury. In Georgia, we're expecting a new indictment uh, any day now uh, over uh, allegations that Trump and perhaps others uh, interfered with the election in the state in 2020. That will be tried by, by a jury. So, it's not really for anyone at this point to say whether he has a point or not. Uh, the, the, the cases will come along, and you know, like any other criminal case in the states, they'll they'll be they'll be tested by the judicial system, and and and, and by a jury. Now, Trump would argue that the odds are stacked against him. The only the cases are only being brought because they're trying to derail him. It's trying to sort of 
time up in treacle um, before before he gets going. Um, but you know there is, as as lawyers would say, prima facie evidence that he has done some of these things. If you read the forty five page indictment uh, that was uh, presented last week uh, by Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, you know, he's told time and time again that whatever what, what one stage, you know, one of his lawyers in the White House says there is no scenario in which. In, in, in any case whatsoever, where you will end up as president on the 20th of January. Absolutely not. And yet the events unfolded as they did. And, and, and now he has a case to answer. And can we not say actually he was a good president? If you look at his record on foreign affairs and the economy, actually, maybe he should be given another chance. Uh, that's to voters for dis- to decide again. I mean, was he a good president? Um, uh, in some respects, you know, there are no wars, uh, no foreign wars uh, uh, under Trump. I, mean, I think Trump is the only president this century uh, under which Vladimir Putin hasn't invaded a, a third nation. Um, so, that I mean, people's pensions here, the stock market did extremely well. Um, but it was a hugely divisive presidency as well. Um, and a lot of people who... Um, who, who perhaps didn't benefit from the things that Donald Trump uh, brought along um, would say no. I mean, it was a chaotic president. I mean, there were events, you know, things. I, th- I think I think it's fair to say that America, even if people became a little bit better off under Donald Trump's presidency, and that's that's arguable. I think American society became quite substantially more divided under Donald Trump. If he loses these cases, does if he loses these cases or, like, or one or more of them? Does that stop him from running or does it does it stop him being president? Could he, in fact, be president whilst a convicted felon? You can. I mean, Donald Trump can. Uh, Donald Trump. I mean, I don't think this will happen because of the timings, but Donald Trump could end up in prison and stand for the presidency. That's that's absolutely uh, wow. constitutionally. There's absolutely no no bar on him standing uh, standing from 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 prison. I, I think what will actually happen is that. As, as the weeks and months unfold now, and we've got, what, um, about 30, about 15 months to the election, um, Donald Trump's lawyers really have one ambition in the next few weeks and months, and that's to push these trials back as, 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 as much as they can. And the fact that there are several of them actually plays their advantage. You know, there's only a certain number of days in the calendar, and, you know, he has to be given, and I think that the, 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 the lawyers accept this as well, that he has to be given a fair crack at campaigning for the, for the, for the election if he does indeed win the nomination, which looks likely. Um, and that the cases will have to fit around, have to fit around the campaign. Now, Trump wants to push the back beyond next November, uh, and his hope is that he wins the election, he's he becomes president again, and then he goes on day one to the Department of Justice and says, "Well, I'm going to appoint you, uh, Mr. Best Friend, as uh, Attorney General," um, and 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 you know the case is then 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 wither as a result of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, he can stand. Absolutely, he can be on the ballot. Uh, you know. I think we're going to see a situation next year where, you know, day, on one day he's in a courtroom answering lawyers' questions, the next day he's speaking to crowds of his supporters, um, hoping to hoping to sort of generate some some momentum in the election. And what does one make of these documents, that he's secret documents he's been storing in bathrooms? And actually Biden seemed to be doing the same thing. So, I mean, what, what I mean, this, this seems extraordinary that they can do that. Well, it is extraordinary they can do that. And um, these, this is the case in Miami where he's accused of taking uh, hundreds of boxes of, of, of classified government documents. I mean, some of them are said to contain allies' nuclear secrets and battle plans for, for, for attacking enemies and so on and so forth. Um, Trump is accused <laughs> of taking... A bit these, of toilet reading. 
this bathroom. Well, you know, you know, I, I you know, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, he's accused of taking uh, hundreds of these boxes down to Mar-a-Lago, his, his his big house in Florida. Um, and when the, the the National Archive have asked for them back, he's sort of said, well, yeah, okay, we'll give them back. And they've given some back. They've not given all of them back. This led to a, a search by the FBI in August last year where these boxes were, were found. And now there's a, an indictment been issued. Um, he, um, he argues that he's the president, so he can declassify all these documents. But a lot of them hadn't been declassified when he left office. And the, 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 the argument is that he's left, uh, he missed that window. Now, you mentioned Biden having uh, classified documents as well. That's true. He had one in an office in, here in D.C. Uh, from his time working in the university after he left office as vice president. He had somebody at home. Mike Pence had some classified documents as well. I think the difference in these cases, and again, this will be for juries to, 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 to decide, but as soon as the, it, was, it became apparent that these classified documents were in Joe Biden's possession and in Mike Pence's possession, they were handed back to the National Archive. The National Archive approached Trump and asked them for the, so many of these documents back, and he sort of stonewalled them for a bit. He, he gave some of them back. He didn't give all of them back, and that led to the FBI search. So there is a difference in these two cases. Trump has been indicted. The investigation into what into Biden's possession of certain papers and Pence's possession of certain papers that's 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 still ongoing. So a while ago, we were list- we were hearing about this man Ron DeSantis and uh, the great things he was doing in Florida. How he was the new, more acceptable face of the Republican Party, who was going to um, steamroller Trump out of the way and be the next president. Well, that doesn't seem to be happening. What went wrong with him? Well, I mean. It- Steamrolling is a very good way of putting it, but it's, it's a Ron DeSantis that's been steamrolled by the juggernaut that is Donald Trump. Um, last November, everyone thought that, as you've just suggested, DeSantis was going to be the candidate. He just won re-election in Florida by 20 points in what had been a uh, you know, had been a purple state. Um, he overtook uh, Trump in some of the polls. Uh, Trump's slate of candidates in the midterms last year a disaster. Um, he personally endorsed you know, scores of candidates, all pretty much all of whom did very badly. And then we had the indictments against Trump. Uh, he was able to, to to spin these, as we've said, um, as a as a sort of big state cover up. DeSantis' campaign was has, has been really lackluster. I mean, he's come out, he's gone to war with Disney. Um, you know, over over Disney's criticism of some of the laws he's introduced in Florida, he's tightened up abortion uh, legislation in Florida, which effectively makes abortions uh, illegal. Um, he, he, he's, he's, he's continually banging this drum of being anti-woke. And I think a lot of Republican voters are a little bit confused by what woke really means. Um, he's suggested about Ukraine being a territorial dispute when, you know, I think most mainstream Republicans in the US think that, you know, Russia should be getting a kicking for what it's done in, in, in Ukraine. And so pretty much every turn, DeSantis has, has, has struggled a little bit. Um, and he's not very good on stage. He doesn't tailor his message to a particular audience. I've spent some time with both of them in Iowa. Uh, Trump will speak for an hour to Iowa farmers and everything he's done for Iowa farmers. DeSantis goes on stage and carries on saying what he's done in Florida and the message doesn't quite connect as well. So Trump is, Trump's an extraordinarily good communicator. And I think that all the candidates, not least, not, not just DeSantis, sorry, have really struggled to, to get the airtime Trump gets, to get the uh, the, the sort of the passionate support that Trump gets. And, and, and I, it, it really does look now as though Trump's going to win the nomination quite comfortably. Is, is there a possibility of a third party candidate, a sort of independent running, a Ross Perot? 
Well, there is uh, a Kennedy running. Uh, uh, so as a Democrat at, at this stage, this is Robert Kennedy Jr. And he's done he's doing reasonably well in some Democrat polls. Um, at the moment, no, um, because, know, first of all, no one's put their no one's thrown their hat into the ring. Uh, it's possible. There's still plenty of time. Um, but it's difficult to see. America's a pretty divided place at the moment, and it's pretty difficult to see a, a sort of a, a, a sweet spot or a seam of public opinion that a third party candidate can can, can tap into. The, 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 there will be third party candidates. Other people will stand, but the extent to which they might jump support that, like you say, Ross Perot uh, wants it, I think is is pretty unlikely. And, and what about the Hunter Biden scandal? Because, I mean, that's only really just beginning to emerge. But, I mean, it goes back some time. Uh, yeah. And this seems to me very damaging to to Biden. I think it has the potential to be. Um, I think there's a, there's a difference between the Hunter Biden scandal, as you suggest it, it is, and 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 Trump, in that at the moment the Hunter Biden investigation is purely a political one. Uh, it's being investigated in 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 Congress. There's, there is sorry, well, there is a legal element to it as well, which I'll get to in a second. But the Trump situation is a legal situation. So Hunter Biden um, took his his laptop to a computer repair shop in, in in Delaware a few years ago and left it there. This laptop has managed to find its way into the hands of several Republican politicians in the New York Post. And they've gone through it. And there's some pretty damning um, stuff on there. Uh, he comes across as a pretty unpleasant guy, frankly. Um, some of his habits are pretty unpleasant. He's a he's a confessed drug user. Um, and then there's his taxes as well. And he's not necessarily paid all his taxes on time. Now, he reached a plea deal with prosecutors in Delaware uh, a few weeks ago over unpaid taxes, where he'd go and plead guilty in court, get a slap on the wrist, and uh, but not go to prison. So he went and did that. And a couple of weeks ago, he turned up at court and the judge said, well, hang on a second. This plea deal doesn't really stack up. Uh, go away and do it again. So they've, they're now we're in a situation where Hunter Biden and his lawyers and the prosecution are, are trying to renegotiate this plea deal. Now, the Republicans in the House who are very supportive of Donald Trump have sort of said, well, this is a this is a sweetheart deal. No one else. This, this deal wouldn't be available to anyone else in the country. This is because Hunter Biden is the president's son. That may be true. That may not be true. I mean, the, the Democrats deny it. The White House denies it. Separately, the uh, Republicans are how in the House are investigating Hunter Biden's business career um, and whether or not the president has any links to that. And they've heard lots of evidence behind closed doors from some of Hunter Biden's business partners over time who've said, look, Hunter Biden would go to a business meeting and to impress people, he'd put his his phone on loudspeaker and call call his dad. And that would help to sweeten deals, perhaps. That would help to, uh, to, to, to impress some of the people that Hunter Biden was trying to, trying to impress. But I think where so far that investigation falls over is there's not any evidence to date, at least anyway, uh, that President Biden or ex-Vice President Biden, as he was at the time, has actually taken part in any of these deals, has actually spoken to some of Hunter Biden's associates and, and tried to grease the wheels of a deal or try to get a deal across the line. Um, but it doesn't look good. Um, it puts voters off and it just adds that that element of sleaze to to a Biden campaign that has 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 always tried to be sort of all things to all people and very clean and very upfront and very uh, and, 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 you know, and, 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 and pure, especially when contrasted with with what we see from Trump sometimes.
Isn't there also the historical element during the last election when the Hunter Biden laptop story emerged in the New York Post? There seems to have been a pretty thoroughgoing, well, gosh, I hate to use the word conspiracy, but you know, if, if you listen to Elon Musk, he would probably use it. But Twitter, Google, Facebook, many mainstream newspapers all seem to have taken the decision not to touch this story, even though now the they're talking about it. Yeah. No, that's absolutely that, that's true. I mean, you know, we, we there is evidence from people that used to work at Facebook and, and, and Twitter, Twitter especially, uh, that that they downgraded some of these posts, some of these tweets, some of these whatever you'd call them. So that again is something that the Republicans are are pressing, and that's those are questions absolutely that the Democrats and 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 Biden uh, will does have to answer and will have to answer on the on the campaign trail. Um, a lot of a lot of newspapers ignore the story. Um, the New York Post is a pretty mainstream newspaper, uh, and it was it, it carried the story. Um, but I think as time's gone, as as, as a sort of the, as time's gone by, I think you're seeing it picked up more and more. I mean, the New York Post now writes about Hunter Biden in quite a lot of detail. The Washington Post. Um, I think I think the problem for the Republicans is that. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Because some of the people investigating this case are seen as so close to Trump and Trump has got such a lot of power over the over the Republican Party, anything they say appears to come with a health warning, which is this is a partisan investigation. This is a partisan um, uh, attempt to try and derail Biden. And until the Department of Justice picks it up and starts running with it as a, a, a as, as a case that could um, could impinge on, on on Biden's campaign. I think it falls short of being a real stumbling block for Biden. But it sounds it sounds like that Trump's in more trouble than Biden. If you, if you're putting it crudely in terms of what might I think so. legally and politically over all these scandals. Yeah, well, politically, I'm not so sure. But legally, I mean, Donald Trump faces the prospect of decades in prison if he's convicted in some of the cases he's been charged with. Joe Biden isn't being investigated individually. He's not been charged with anything. There's no um, special prosecutor investigation into, into Biden's affairs. So, yeah, I mean, legally, Trump is in more trouble. But that is actually, as we've said, I think to an extent, propping up his political campaign uh, um, and gives him a better chance of, of, of taking Biden on next year. And what does Biden want to run again? I mean, surely he's, is this a legacy <laughs> thing? I mean, you get to that age, you want to put Pride? your feet up, surely. Well, I think, I mean, Joe Biden has been a senator since 1972. 
and has tried to win the White House on three previous occasions, three, yeah, three abortive attempts already. I think if you've waited that long and tried that many times and gone through the, 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 the rounds of it so many times, I think once you actually get there, um, I think it's extraordinarily difficult uh, to, 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 to give it up. Um, he has said that he's going to stand next year. I mean, his staff, his campaign, uh, the entire Democrat uh, machinery is absolutely behind Biden running again. Um, he'll be 81 by the point of the next election. He'll be almost be 82 and he'll be 86 at the end of a second term. Um, it's absolutely the case that he's more frail than he was four years ago. He's more frail than he was 10 years ago and, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, I think that that's really going to be a consideration for voters uh, next year. Um, Kamala Harris, who's the vice president, and she's going to stand as his running mate again, um, is is extremely unpopular. And I think people will think as they go into the ballot box, yes, this is a vote for Biden, but is it also really a vote for Kamala Harris? And would I be prepared to see Kamala Harris in the White House? And I think a lot of people will have their doubts. So why is she? Why is he allowing her to run? Because if she's such a, a liability, um, I think that Kamala Harris touches parts of the population, the U.S. population and the Democratic Party that Biden can't. Biden is seen as an old-fashioned centrist Democrat. Uh, he's very close to the unions. Um, he's a his economic policy is is is, is old-school. Uh, Democrat politics. I think Kamala Harris represents a different wing of the party. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, progressives now in the Democrat parties, people too are far to the left of Joe Biden, um, people who are uh, a, a lot more women involved in the party, people have a different racial pro, uh, profile to Joe Biden. And I think that Kamala Harris touches parts of that uh, constituency that, 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 that perhaps the president can't. Um, as we've seen, you know, Joe, uh, Trump picked Mike Pence as his running mate. Mike Pence is an evangelical Christian from uh, the Midwest. He touched parts of the, the Republican Party that Trump couldn't. It's a, it's a, it's a regular tactic. It's a regular and common tactic. Um, and I think for that reason, um, it would be extremely damaging for Biden to, to jettison uh, Kamala Harris. And Are and we I seeing changes in voting patterns? Are we seeing, you know, for example particular races changing the way they might have voted in the past? I mean, the Spanish community now voting Republican or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the Hispanic uh, community is, uh, I mean, parts of the Hispanic community have always voted strongly Republican. So in Florida, for example, uh, a lot of a lot of the Hispanic population is uh, has Cuban origins and they are, they've left the, the, the sort of socialist regime in Cuba and they, they're, they're very supportive of the Republican Party. But we are seeing elsewhere in the country um, especially as the Democrats get more behind uh, abortion rights. I mean, that's obviously a, a huge issue here at the moment. Uh, the Hispanic community tends to be um, more outwardly Christian and therefore opposed to abortion. So we are seeing uh, Hispanic communities swinging behind the Republicans a little bit more. Certainly over the last 10 years or so, uh, the, the, the number of Hispanic people voting Republicans increased. And I think that's a trend we're going to carry on seeing um, as, as, as we go forward. You think Trump will look for a running mate from that community himself? That's a really interesting question. Um, and as the Republican primary process uh, continues, one of the questions that people are asking is, well, which of these guys uh, running to compete for second place as it stands with Trump, is he going to pick? Um, you know, he can 
uh, do what he can, he can rival Biden by picking a woman. And there's, there's Nikki Haley, uh, there's Marjorie Taylor Greene, all the uh, there's, there's quite a lot of prominent women now in the Republican Party. Um, there is uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's doing extremely well uh, in the polls. Uh, he's, he's now competed with Biden, uh, with, sorry, with DeSantis for second place. He's of Indian origin. So Trump might decide to tap into, again, parts of the population that he's struggled to reach in the past. Uh, by by picking some of these people, who knows? Um, I think Donald Trump will pick a vice president that he can control, uh, and that will be uh, the most expedient choice for him when the time comes. Well, it's a, it's a, you have an amazingly interesting job. I want a time to be in Washington. <laughs> I mean, British politics well, hasn't exactly been calm or rational or predictable. Let's face it. But American politics <laughs> at the moment, it just seems it just seems a little bit mad. It's. It is bizarre, actually. I mean, you know, when, when you cover things like the idea that the election was stolen in 2020, for example, and people have their views on that, and that's, you know, I mean, there isn't any evidence to support it. But you go and speak to people at a Trump rally um, who are dentists, doctors, accountants, um, and you sort of speak to them and they're, they're, they're rational, intelligent people. Uh, and they say, well, you know, there's, there's plenty of evidence that the election was stolen in 2020. And we said, well, well, give me one piece of it. And it turns out that they've spoken to a friend in Arizona who's got a cousin who worked in the election booth on election night. And his friend told him over a beer three days later that there was an inconsistency with a voting machine. It's that sort of level. But it's believed. Um, and um, it's yes, it's chaotic. Yes, it's strange. But it's also present. And the idea that you're going to get two sort of very similar candidates, one for the Republicans and one from the Democrats, and you know their policies are going to be pretty similar, and it's, a, it's it, voters are going to pick, you know, who, who who they think best, you know, looks best in the White House. Those days have gone. I mean, it really, there really is quite an ideological divide here. And is there an ideological divide in terms of its reporting too, particularly in the television channels, or are you getting very fair and balanced reporting? Do you think? Hmm. I mean. I, I came here and, and, and on, on one day watched Fox News and on another day watched CNN. And they are, they're as far apart as the two parties are. Um, I mean, CNN will, will constantly talk about the big lie and use that phrase, the big lie, to talk about the idea that the 2020 election was stolen. Now, they may in fact be right, but it's a divisive way of, of approaching it. It's not, a, it's not a conciliatory way. They don't say... You know, the claim is that the 2020 election was stolen. Here's all the evidence to say that it wasn't. It's just the big lie. And then that's an accepted part of the parlance. And, you know, some of the right wing channels as well uh, are, are, are similar in their in their choice of language, similar in, the pro, in their approach. And the newspapers, too. Um, the idea that, um, you know, there is a there is a sort of centrist down the line, calm broadcaster here or, or, or newspaper i think is pretty lost they, they all pretty much take their positions so a, a real role for you perhaps i mean you know well, you're clearly reporting just for the british but presumably that stuff gets blown back to the states as well well without trying to promote the times uh, we are about to set up a, a website here a, a, a dedicated u.s website because for that very reason um we try very hard, uh, and sometimes we don't get it right, we, but we try very hard to report things as neutrally as possible. And uh, for that reason, you know, we see a gap in the market. And, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's one of our roles here. Um, we've had examples of, 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 of university professors advising not just the Times, but 
to a university professor advising their their students to read the British press and and watch things like the BBC because it is it does at least try to be that much more neutral and down the line um, and it's it's a sort of a slightly more sober uh, take on events than than perhaps some of the media here. Okay, and so where's the oldest sweepstakes going? Oh, sorry, Andrew, go on. So where are the moderate Republicans going? Are they uh, just not good? Question. Uh, well, that's a very good question. I mean. Seventy-one percent of Republicans think that the election in twenty twenty was rest- was stolen. So, I think we need to define what a moderate Republican is. Um, but uh, yeah, there are people that think that Trump has far too much baggage, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why people like Vivek Ramaswamy is doing quite well. Um, he has a similar message for Trump. He's a he's a he's a capitalist. He's a he believes that uh, the southern border should be more secure, but he doesn't come with. with the baggage of Trump. He doesn't come with, with, with everything that you know about Trump. He does not, doesn't come with the legal cases that Trump's facing. Um, so I think there is a part of the Republican Party that is looking for a uh, an alternative. Having said that, if Trump wins the nomination and he's up against Biden, uh, I think the Republicans will probably swing back behind, uh, behind Trump. I think there's also a swathe of independent voters um, and we saw this in 2020, we saw it again last year in the midterms, who just won't, you know, they, may not, they might not be great Biden fans, but just won't vote for Trump. Um, so I think Trump, by the time of the general election next year, will have to moderate his message slightly in order to try and appeal uh, to, 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 to independent voters. And I think that, Andrew, probably gets back to the point you made earlier about this idea of Trump presidency being a success i think we, you know we will see a lot more hear a lot more of him saying you know the economy did extremely well um our soldiers um uh came home from conflicts uh putin didn't invade other countries during my presidency so i think we will see try see an appeal to to to, to more moderate and, and independent voters next year and, and do you have any sort of sense of who might win or do you think it's very close call <laughs> if you're a betting man your money on the <laughs> table <laughs> This is this is being recorded, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the polls say it's very, very tight. Um, it probably will be very, very tight. Um, I think Biden stood in 2020 because he thought he, he he believed he could beat Trump. And I think he believes he can beat Trump again. I think a lot will depend on how the economy does here. I mean, Biden has 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 spent a great deal of the last six months and he's going to continue talking about the economy. Uh, inflation's coming down, which has been a big, uh, or the rate that the, the rate of inflation is coming down, which has been a big thing here. People's gas prices are coming down at the, at the petrol pump. Uh, f- the cost of food isn't rising as quickly. So I think he'll point to all these things as a sort of forget Trump. You just need to vote on my record. And I, I, I think if there were an election tomorrow, I think Biden would squeak home, perhaps a little bit closer than last time. Uh, and I think that's what he'll he'll depend on. There are so many other factors, though. I mean, you know, Trump could be a convicted felon by uh, by this time next year, by the time of the election next year. Biden will be another 12 months older. And, and you know, people will ask increasingly about his health and, and, and ability to do the job. So there are so many things at play uh, that the picture could look very, very different in 12 months time. And, and how important are the primaries then? I mean, given that, you know, given that situation. Well, that, that's Biden. I don't think will be testing the primary, so he'll he'll have a pretty clear run. And if he's healthy, he becomes the candidate. Um, 
Trump doesn't look as though he's going to be tested, but but who knows? Uh, the, the, the Iowa caucus is in January. New Hampshire comes pretty quickly off the back of that. Um, I think if Trump wins those two, it will be almost impossible for anyone else to, to, to catch him. If someone else, if DeSantis or Ramaswamy or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley, whoever it might be, wins in Iowa and New Hampshire, I think that changes the calculus a little bit. And that will really test Trump. Um, and that might sort of test the party, test primary voters. And, 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 and we'll see. But if Trump sails as he does to the nomination and no candidate from either party has ever lost a nomination from the position Trump's in now being sort of 35, 40 points ahead in the polls. So it does look as though the Republican primary is going to be a procession. Uh, and then we'll we'll see what they're like and the, the two candidates are like in the debates, how they campaign. The campaign is a, is a really rigorous test of, of stamina and of ability and of, of everything else. Um, and these are going to be two old guys, you know, the 81 year old against the 78 year old as it will be next year. You know, it's going to be pretty tough for them both traveling to three states in a day, making hour long speeches in each and then doing the same thing repeatedly for, for days on end. Um, you know, it'll be a big enough test of my stamina covering it all. Uh, it'll be a much bigger test of theirs. Um, so we'll see. Um, it may be a case of who who lasts the course, who makes the fewest number of gaffes and who who voters you know trust when they when they get to the ballot box eventually when we get to November next year. And is there a likelihood of, of, of one candidate getting the, the, the popular vote and someone else getting the vote in the Electoral College? Uh, it's, it's entirely possible. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton got more votes than, than Trump did in, in 2016. Um, and yet, and, 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 uh, and Trump won. So it is possible. Um, I, Biden won quite comfortably last time. I mean, the, the actual result is often uh, clouded by the debate over whether or not the election was fair. But Biden won pretty handsomely. It wasn't really that close. I think it'll be closer next time because I think people will be concerned about Biden's uh, uh, age and his, his 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 ability to carry on for the next four years. So as you said earlier, the selection of the vice president candidates from both of them could be absolutely yeah. critical. Yeah. And I think something dramatic now would have to happen for Kamala Harris not to be uh, the vice presidential candidate. Um, but, you know, it's still possible. We've still got plenty of time. And again, you know, Trump's Trump's pick, people will think the same thing. I mean, people talk about Biden's age. <laughs> Trump is, no, is not a young man um, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, sometimes makes mistakes on stage as well. I mean, during the last campaign, he said, you know, hello, Wisconsin on the stage when, he's, when I think he was in Michigan. So, you know, it, <laughs> these gaffes happen to them all. But, you know, yeah, I, I think the vice president pick will be will be very important. I think in both senses, people will be looking at it and thinking, "Yes, I'm voting for Biden or Trump," but also with an eye on on who on who, on who their running mates are. And are some candidates basically sitting this one out then and and, and ready for the next time, or are some people, I, in a sense, putting their hat in the ring because they really want to be serious in the following year, you know, the next election? I think that's a really good point. Um, People have said that about Ron DeSantis. He's 44 years old. He's got a good track record in Florida. Um, why stand now? Um, Trump can only serve another four years. Um, and, and falling foul of the MAGA movement, the Trump, the Trump movement, really could uh, damage the rest of DeSantis's political career. It used to be said you had to compete in a, in a primary process in order to be the candidate four years later. Um, Mitt Romney is a very good example of that. John McCain's a good example of that. I think the calculus has changed. I think that now 
if you fall foul of the Trump movement, the MAGA movement, that 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 may stamp out your your prospects four years hence. I think a guy to keep an eye on is uh, Glenn Youngkin, who's the Republican governor in Virginia. Um, he's a very successful businessman. He won Virginia. Uh, he, he flipped Virginia. He took it from a, from the Democrats. Uh, he won against the odds in the polls um, and is quietly doing a good job. A lot of the mainstream Republicans who are worried about Trump are willing Youngkin to, to throw his hat into the ring. But I think he's very much his thought very much is to keep his powder dry for next time uh, when Trump will be a historical figure when it comes to the Republicans. And the same is true of the, of, of the Democrats as well. Um, Gavin Newsom in California. Um, Gretchen Whitmer in, in, in Michigan, the two governors, both seen as prominent uh, Democrats. I don't see that they see the benefit at the moment in challenging Biden. I think for oh. them, why, why rock the boat? We're pretty much near the end of our little slot. And thank you very much. I was saying we, we like to pride ourselves on being even-handed at this podcast. We're called the scandalmongers, but we like to be even-handed. And I think we probably equally offended our American Democratic <laughs> and Republican listeners by pointing out the weaknesses of the respective well, likely no we've candidates. informed them we've informed them i think it's very balanced very well, good there, coverage but there's there one, thing, one thing left though i just don't i still don't think we in britain and now i guess it's partly your job to tell us as the washington correspondent of the times we in britain and maybe lots of places outside middle america we still don't really understand from we just don't understand no. why such a lot of people want to vote for him and it's the phenomenon that's Trump as well. Um, I think he taps into he, he he taps into something that other politicians have never done. You go to the Midwest, you know, there's there's old rusty factories that are standing that no one works in. He's been able to communicate this idea that your jobs are being taken by the establishment. They're handing them to China. These are messages. It's not dissimilar, perhaps, to the Brexit message. You know, people feel disenfranchised. That's absolutely the case. And he's he's done brilliantly at tapping into some of these feelings of, of, of and, and, and these feelings are real in some respects as well they, they don't just they're not just pretend um uh problems that people have they're real problems and people feel very much ignored by the mainstream parties Fascinating. um Fascinating. you know both parties are dominated by by you know rich figures on the on the on the west coast and the east coast and a lot of middle america has been forgotten for a long time and if you travel through middle america it's it's a million miles from Washington DC or Los Angeles or New York City. They're almost different countries altogether. And well, I think we really have to can we book you in for our live election night special? We'll do it now. Because it's such an amazing <laughs> we'll it. it's the best spectator sport in world politics. I have to say that for it. And thanks so much. Sure. We are really, we are literally seconds to go, but really appreciate your time and good luck in Middle America. And thanks, thanks so much indeed. for joining us. Really Bye. fascinating. A pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Scandalmongers podcast. This has been a podcast world production. You can get in contact with our show by emailing team at podcastworld.org, placing Scandalmongers in the heading, or via our social media links within the show's bio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.